Barnes and Noble. It's really good. You guys want to hear something really good? Y'all, do you guys do you guys love the holidays? How many guys have loved the snow? Food. Food is snow. It's been amazing. I like the snow. Food. All right. Shh. I love it when we get to come together to worship. I love it when we get to come together to worship because there's something different about coming together to worship when we encounter God here. Amen? We're not just here to sing songs. We're not just here to go through the motions of church. But we actually get to encounter the living God who helps us. How many of you guys ever feel like you need comfort? Or you need somebody to, who understands you, knows you, yeah, when we come before God to worship, do you understand we are connecting with the one who can help you more than anybody, who can comfort your heart, who knows you? He is, his river is flowing in this place tonight like a river of peace, like a river of joy. And whenever you turn aside and turn your face towards the Lord, literally distractions become so powerless they just fade away because his presence is so good. He's so good. The Bible says in Revelation 21, there is a river that flows from the throne of God. It's constant. I want you to close your eyes for a second. Stop talking to your neighbor. Put your phone down right over here. Help me out. Close your eyes. There is a river continually flowing from the throne of God. It's constant. It doesn't change with circumstances or situations that happen on earth. It's the most powerful force on the planet. It's the love of God. It's His presence that's continually flowing. It never stops. In the river is life. Everywhere the river goes, it brings life. Sickness can't stand in the river. Loneliness goes away in the river because you just joyfully connect face to face with God. His river is flowing here tonight. Water is flowing. The presence of God is flowing here tonight. He's flowing here tonight. He's flowing here tonight. guys struggle being bored with God. You're bored. We come in here to sing songs, you worship. If you've been raised in church, you've been around it so much that you're kind of like, you feel like this is a time to talk and hang out and stuff. And it's not, how many of you guys, honestly, you struggle sometimes being bored? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, listen. I've got an invitation for you to come into the presence of God and get into the river of God and encounter Him face to face. 
because he is the farthest thing from bored you'll ever experience. The farthest thing from bored. If you're bored, you just need to come and, 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 and meet him face to face tonight. Amen? All right, I'm going to read you. Listen to Psalm 91. Shh, listen to this. It says, whoever lives within the secret shadow of God, hidden in the strength of God most high, will always be kept safe and feel secure. Here's how I describe him. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. Yes, he will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy and will protect you from false accusations and any deadly curse. Listen to this. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His faithfulness is a wraparound shield, keeping you from harm. There is so much more. I'm just going to stop right there. But listen, tonight we're going to encounter God. We're going to worship him. In just a few minutes during worship, we're going to take communion together. And we're going to get into our groups of friends, and we're going to pray and take communion together, and it's going to be great. And then my friend Chad, Chad Dedman's here tonight to share, and he's got a powerful word. I promise you, if you open your heart right now, if you engage with the Lord, you put aside distractions, and you get into the river that's flowing here, it's your choice. God's not going to force you. You can put yourself in. If you do that tonight, I promise you will walk out of here a changed person. You will never be the same again. Amen? Put your hands in the air. If you want to abandon yourself right now to the river, say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, come like a flood. Fill me. I give myself to you. I abandon distractions and fear. And I, I worship you, Jesus. I exalt you, Lord. Come on, come on, come on. All right, let's worship God. Come on up here.
attention right now to something, a story that I was thinking about earlier, is, uh, you know, if you've ever read the Bible, you've read the crucifixion scene where Jesus was taken to the cross. And how many of you guys have ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ? Yeah? Pretty crazy stuff, right? And um, the Bible says that he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him and by his whippings his stripes we are healed you see jesus didn't just come to make bad people good he came to make dead people live amen he came to touch every part of our lives and bring us to life and when jesus was on the cross the bible says that he was he was up there, and actually, if you study crucifixion, he was suffocating on his own blood. He, was, he would have to like go up like this, take a breath, and then come down, and he was suffocating on his own blood as he was being crucified. You guys over here, I need you to be quiet, please. Thank you. And uh, as, he was, as he was on the cross, the Bible says that he, he shouted out, it is finished. At that moment, he died. He gave up his spirit. Bible says that some Roman guards came around and they began to break the legs of the other guys to make sure that they, so they would fall down and, and die. And when they came to Jesus, he was already dead, so he stabbed him in the side. The Bible says the blood and water flowed. Everybody say blood and water. I have really good news for you today. The, the blood and the water is still flowing to this day. The blood of Jesus that was poured out on the cross is just as fresh as it was 2,000 years ago. So that when we come before him, are you guys passing out the communion right now? Is it being passed out? Okay. When we come before him, you can come to him today just as if you were that Roman soldier coming before Jesus to receive whatever you need. Jesus' blood paid for everything. Amen? Whatever we need today, if we need wholeness in our hearts, if we need healing in our families, if you need forgiveness today, if you've been away from God, if you've not been walking with the Lord, today is the day to get, to get right with God. Today is the day to come back to him and to receive Jesus into your life as, as the one who gave his life for you so you could be whole. You could be restored back to the Father in intimate relationship. He destroyed the barrier that, that separated us from God, the barrier of loneliness with his blood. But then water flowed, the river that I talked about earlier, the water of God, the river of God is flowing. Have you guys ever tried to take a shower without water? Have you ever, like, taken the soap and just rubbed it all over you without water, how uncomfortable it was. You see, we can take the Word, and we can try and cleanse ourselves, but until you turn on the water, it's not going to flow. It's not going to go good. But when you turn on the water, when you begin to just receive by faith what Jesus has done for you, and receive His love, His cleansing power through an act of faith, what we're going to do right now in taking communion, 
you begin to step into the river and, and be activated in, in everything that you, that you really believe right now in this communion. So what I want you to do is I want some of my leaders to come up here and, um, and just be ready to pray. If you're here, if you have a need in your life, if you need healing in your body, Jesus' blood paid for your healing. I feel like there's kids here, you've been struggling in your grades. I'm going to tell you right now, God cares about your grades. He cares about your grades. He cares that you do good in school. He cares about that. If you've been struggling with things at home, whatever it is, the Lord wants to be invited into every area of your life, and He will come. He's not afraid of anything going on in your life. He wants to come and just be a part of it. And so, we have leaders up here that can pray for you if you need. If you're here and you need to get right with God, come find one of these leaders and let them pray for you if you need to get your heart right with the Lord. Somebody here is battling unforgiveness. You've been hurt. You've been genuinely hurt. And, and we want to help pray you through into being whole in that. So if you don't want to come forward with one of the leaders, what I want you to do is grab your friends. We've been going after friendship here this month. Grab some friends that you love, that you're, that you're friends with. Or maybe in, in, in invite some other friends into your group there. Guys, this is a time to take this seriously. It's not a time to mess around with this. This is, we are going to do this in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. As you take the body of the Lord, he was broken for our wholeness. As you remember what he did on the cross with the blood, he was, his blood was poured out for our restoration, for our cleansing, for our healing. So go ahead and take that together with your friends, and then I want you to go ahead and begin to pray for each other, prophesy over each other, encourage each other.
up. Let's all stand up. I want you to come down here. Stand up and come down here. We're going to sing this together. Listen, we're the family of God. This is the body of Christ. What God has done in so many of our lives is incredible. Do you, do you hear this song that we're singing? If we get this song deep in our hearts, I am convinced this world will never be the same again as a result of us believing this here today. Amen. Can we sing this together? We're not just singing a song. We're declaring the kingdom of God on this earth, that the kingdom of this world becomes the kingdom of our God, that darkness bows, suicide bows, hopelessness is destroyed, and Jesus is exalted as the Savior of the world. Amen. Come on. Let's sing this with passion. Let's let it out. Let's dismantle hell.
I was reminded today of a story in Acts 3. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. They come across this guy who's lame, can't walk, all jacked up. He starts asking them for money, okay? Later down in the story, Peter replies with this. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, get up and walk. And can anyone guess what happened next? Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Why do I say this? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. We're dealing with friendship this month, right? Some of you might be dealing with stuff that, that you don't know how to handle. It might not just be friendship, but just relationships in general. Or like Tom was saying, God cares about your grades as well. He cares about everything. And there's things that you're going through that you might not know how to handle. You're like, I've tried everything. But have you tried the name of Jesus? Have you put the name of Jesus on your situation, on your friendships, on your relationships? Have you taken that broken relationship with your mom and dad, that broken relationship with the best friend that you used to have and said, I'm going to speak Jesus into this and I'm going to watch Jesus resurrect this thing that was dead. So as we go back into this song and as we sing hallelujah, and that's the other cool thing is that God allows us to praise him for the thing that has happened before it's even happened. Peter said, I get, I, I get up and walk. He's spoken into existence. So right now, I want you to think of that situation, that friend, that family member, that circumstances in your life, and I want you to put Jesus' name on top of it. And let's sing hallelujah over it. Let's say that it is finished, that it is done.
that are dead, that we see as dead. We just speak life into the little things because you are a father that cares about the little things. And we thank you, Jesus, that it is finished. worship team. All right, Whew. let's grab our seats, let's grab our seats, <laughs> we're going to do something really special tonight, so I need everyone's attention, Shh. tonight we get to announce some of our graduates of our student leadership team, um, we just finished our fall semester, it was rockin', and we have some amazing, amazing leaders that are coming out of this thing. It is absolutely phenomenal. So without further ado, if, when I call your name, I want you to come up here because we just want to recognize who is graduating, who is making a stand to be a leader. So the first one in level one, Kira Armstrong. Come on up. And you guys are going to stay up here on the stage. Next one is John Black. John, yeah, come on. Give it up for John Black. John Black, get on up here. Come on. Next one. His lovely sister, Victoria Black. Give it up for Victoria. Matthew Delamos. Give it up for Matthew. All right, Marissa Grossen. Woo! Alex Hoheisel. Woo! Come on, Alex. Jonathan Treat. Woo! Luke Treat. Yeah, yeah, give it up for Luke. We got April Oaks. We have Caitlin Rice. Caitlin, I don't, give it up. Is Caitlin here? Give it up. Oh, she might not be here, but Caitlin Rice. Faith Yun. Give it up for Faith. Woo! We have Paul Yun. Give it up for Paul. Come on. We have Chadlin Webb. Give it up for Chadlin. And Aiden DeLamos, he is unfortunately not going to be here because he got into 
poison ivy or poison oak. It's really bad. So that's for our level one. And then, guys, stay up here. And one other thing, we have our level two. We got three people from level two. Absolutely amazing. We got Elizabeth Foreman. I think she's, yep, right there, Elizabeth Foreman. We got Tara Rothaker coming up here. And Abigail Wyatt. Absolutely amazing. These guys are phenomenal. They are making a stand to be leaders, going out into the city, doing city projects. We're about to start doing ministry teams where they're going to help us release the presence of God, prophesy all that amazing things. They're out, absolutely outstanding. So proud of them. So I want to give one big round of applause for all of them right now. Let's give it up for our SLT leaders. Absolutely amazing. Love all of you guys. Love you guys so much. You guys can go grab a seat. We are honored. If there's a couple people that we're going to have. Did we do it? Yeah, a couple people I want to just share real fast. You guys got like 30 seconds. But if you want to be a part of our student leadership team, we got the spring semester opening up. You can enroll right out there. We got applications for level one. If you've done level one, you can do level two. Absolutely awesome. I want to give short um, stories of just what, how, how SLT student leadership team has affected you. So I need everybody to be quiet. Shh. And give it up for Jonathan. Hey. Um, so SLT has been really good. Um, it's been just a lot of getting your heart right with God and um, just like um, getting the lies out of you so that you can preach truth really and just like be a friend to everyone in the youth group and it's just been really good to get to know Tori and Nori and they're awesome men of God so um, yeah. I love you Jonathan. Amazing. And Kira, how has it affected you? Um, it's been really amazing. It's taught me that being a leader isn't telling people what to do but influencing people to do the right thing. And so I highly suggest that you do SLT because it's a really life-changing experience. Come on. Give it up for Kira. We love you guys. If you want to sign up for the spring semester, level one and two, come on out. See me and Tori. It is going to be awesome. And JC, you can sign up tonight. Now on to Josh. Come on up here. What's up, guys? All right. It's offering time. For some reason, everybody's wa wa waving at me. Um, so tonight's offering. <laughs> thanks, Nolan. Um, I was going through verses, just trying to find a verse that God wanted me to share. And I stumbled upon, I was reading through the 2 Corinthians 9, where Paul talks about sowing and reaping. And I came across a verse i never heard before. And it's verse 11. It says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. And how many of you know that it's God's desire that you would actually be, like, enriched, that you would actually be blessed, that you would actually have something to give to other people? And lately I've just been coming, like, being so aware that God's just been showing me his desire to give to me, to bless me so that I can be a blessing to other people. And that's the whole purpose behind being blessed or be, behind God providing for us, that we would provide for the needs of other people. And so tonight's offering is just another opportunity for you to provide for another need, for, to provide for the church. And, yeah, so we can pray for tonight's offering. In Jesus' name, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the, the worship. And we just pray over the offering that you would touch the offering and wherever it goes, that it would be a blessing to others and to the church and be multiplied for blessing of whatever else. <laughs> In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good stuff. Come on. Hey, how many of you guys really enjoyed taking communion together? Was that fun? How many of you guys feel like 
Like when somebody stands up here with the microphone and starts talking, is that your cue to turn your head and talk to the person next to you? I'm just curious. How do you guys? Is that? Did you guys feel like the Lord touched you in communion? Was that fun? That was, that was good. That was powerful. Come on. All right. Well, hey, listen. I am. I am. I'm encouraging everybody here. Everybody here is called to be a leader. You're called to demonstrate the kingdom and show people who Jesus is. Give yourself towards becoming a leader. Sign up. Sign up for Jesus' culture because you're never going to be the same again. There's only 150 spots. Once they're gone, they're gone. So I want to encourage every person to go. I know it's like it feels forever away because it's January 10th, and that's not like, you know, tomorrow. But it really is coming up fast. So just go sign up for that. Amen? All right. Listen, I am super honored and excited to have my friend Chad here tonight. And um, Chad, Chad gets to preach all over the world. He's been traveling the world for years. And Chad and I actually went to the same Bible school years ago, a place called Brownsville in Florida. And um, so we are cut from the same cloth. And this guy right here, he has some of the craziest stories I have ever heard in my life of the miracles and the signs and wonders that flow, flow through him. The favor that's on him is just awesome. And I am honored, super honored to have him here. Listen, guys, I'm going to tell you right now. Listen to me. How many of you guys know that God speaks? You're about to hear from God through every word that's going to come from his life. This man walks in crazy prophetic anointing and is a catalyst for a Jesus people movement that is going to spread all over America and the world like you would not believe. I want to be a part of it. Amen. And when you, receive, when you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, guess what you get? You get a prophet's reward. Hold on a sec. I don't know if you guys, let me say that again. When you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, like, okay, I believe that God is speaking through you. Okay, so you're not just a good guy who's going to speak. No, like, God is about to speak through you. You're going to get the reward of what they're bringing. And so, are you guys ready to position your hearts underneath the river and receive so you can, you can be catalyzed, I like that word, for what God wants to do. You guys ready to do that? All right, then why don't you stand up and welcome Chad. Give him a big, big welcome. Perfect, yeah. All right. So we're, you guys are learning about friendship, huh? Friendship. Okay, five of you are learning about friendship. That's awesome. All right, that section, you, you're, you're kind of asleep. How about you guys? Did you guys learn about friendship? I don't know. That was, that was a little lame as well. Uh, you guys get another shot because they just are kind of, they're waking out of their slumber. What, you guys learn about friendship? Yeah. Wow, that's it. Uh, I don't, I'm not even going to ask. I really like these guys. Okay, I'll give you one more shot. Are you guys learning about friendship? Okay, that's good. Okay, you guys are, uh, have a pulse. That's good. And uh, so I'm going to uh, share a little bit tonight. Um, this is a, a big value in my life is uh, I, I love friends. I mean, do you, like, find yourself texting or Facebook messaging the most depressed people you've ever come in contact with? Inviting them over to your house to watch the Super Bowl or to watch... I don't know, what, 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 what do girls want, uh, Duck Dynasty or something? Do you, do, you, do you like, man, I want to find the most depressed people and invite them over to my house. I'm just asking a question. 
No. You know, you, you want to hang out with people that are full of life, full of fun, smiling. I mean, that's like, I love evangelism. My parents are evangelists. And uh, a really thing that, that like, helps with evangelism is having a smile on your face. But the same thing with friends. Like, I like hanging out with people where my wife and I will go out to dinner with somebody and we just laugh the whole time or we have, you know, good conversation. We're engaged, you know, in our conversation. And we leave going, man, I want to do that more often. I want to hang out with them more often. You guys ever find yourself having in those kind of situations? Okay, good. Okay, I'm shocking with you. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story that's pretty crazy, and hopefully that will just, like, glue you in to the rest of the words that I have to say tonight. Uh, how many of you have ever been to South Africa? Stand up if you've been to South Africa. That's right. South Africa. Man, we've got some South you guys are world travelers. It's amazing. Okay, you can sit back down. Uh, South Africa is an amazing place. I've been there many times. And uh, they told me, this was back in 2004, I went to South Africa, and they told me that if I get jumped, if I get robbed, they're, they're not going to just take your money. They're going to kill you. They're not going like, to want, they don't like to live, leave witnesses. So with that in mind, um, I'm in South Africa. Um, I... Got done going to Mozambique with Heidi and Roland Baker, and I went through South Africa and ministered to preach, and now it's like I'm going surfing. So I'm on like a little bit of a, a, a surf week. I'm a surfer. I love surfing, especially at night, I, um, and uh, especially when there's great whites around and all the deals. I, I love that kind of stuff. So anyways, uh, we're, I'm walking with a buddy. His name's Bobby, and we're walking on the beach, sunset. Now, that, that does sound a little weird, but bear with me. Um, but we're walking on the beach, and he goes, oh, man, I was supposed to call my dad in San Francisco, you know, with the time change, and I totally forgot. So I, I'll, he goes, I'll meet you at the grocery store in, like, half an hour. And the grocery store is, like, a mile away. So he runs, and I enjoy the sunset, and I'm walking back. And the power to the city, the, 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 the city power goes out. And so it's black. It's, you know, very, uh, it's, it's pitch black. It's nighttime. There's no light. So I'm a little nervous being in South Africa alone in the pitch black. So I start jogging. Two guys start jogging behind me, and three guys jump out of this uh, store area, right at the kind of the grocery store is, but it's pitch black. I mean, it, it shut its doors. It can't be open for business, and Bobby's not there. These three guys jump out of the wall, like, you know, right where the wall is. They jump out, and then these two guys are coming up right behind me, and they corner me. So there's five guys. One guy has a knife, and he says, give me your money. So now I got given the information, if I get jumped, if I get robbed, they're going to probably kill me. So I'm thinking i got to fight my way out. Uh, so uh, I always had $20 in my pocket, in one pocket, and $80 in my right pocket, or like $50, like where I would kind of diversify my money. So if I get robbed, I'm not going to get robbed of everything. So I take out the $20, and I, I just had this piece that everything's going to be okay, but I'm going to fight my way out. But everything's going to be okay. And, uh, and so I make sure to give the money, to hand the money to the guy with the knife. And so I, I give him the money. The moment he looks and grabs the money and his attention is on the money and how much I've given him and not on me anymore, is like I know that's my moment to shine. So, um, so I push him. Right when he grabs the money and he looks at the money, I push him as hard as I can. One guy lunges at me. I take my elbow and I, I hit him right here on his nose, he goes flying back, and I don't really pay attention to him, I see him in the corner of my eye, my peripheral vision, blood is going everywhere, 
And then I push another guy and like over and I start running. So I've got two guys that are pursuing me, you know, in chase. They're, they're running me down and they're starting to catch up. So I decide, you know, I got to jump a fence. Uh, I got to have a different strategy. Me keep running straight. They're going to catch up to me. So I jump on this fence. And in South Africa, they're really concerned about, you know, theft and robbery. So they have glass. They have you know, like uh, Bob wires. But they had glass on this um, fence line. So when I jump, glass goes into my hand. I jump. I know, this is pretty crazy. So anyways, I jump, and in South Africa, they raise these dogs that are like kind of uh, pit bulls, uh, you know. You guys ever watch The Hunger Games, the first one? You know that mutant dog that they have? It's like that, okay? <laughs> Joking. So, uh, but but it, it's, it's a pretty, you know, uh, dangerous dog. So I jump off the, you know, into someone's backyard, and this dog is lunging towards me. I do a swim move, and then I jump onto this shed, like you know, it's like an eight-foot awning shed connected to the house. And the dog's barking like crazy. These robbers are looking over the fence at me, and I hear uh, these kids screaming, "Dad, Dad, someone's in the backyard!" And he's like, "Get my shotgun." So now it's like, and I know in South Africa, they shoot you and then call the police. You know, that, that, I mean, for those that have been to South Africa, they probably, they, they know. I mean, uh, and uh, it's pretty crazy. So anyways, uh, I'm thinking, man, I'm about ready to get shot, you know. Uh, so there's this half of a brick that's on the awning, on the shed. And the dog's barking like crazy. The guys are staring at me like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, okay, this is my chance. I mean, I love dogs. I love animals. And, uh, but it was like either me or him at this point. So... I, uh, I, I grabbed the brick, and I was like, all right, I'm going to jump down. The dog's going to lunge at me, and I'm going to hit the dog with the brick. So you're laughing? Why would you laugh at a situation like this? This is not a laughing time. So anyways, so, so anyways, I'm in peril here, and she's laughing. So, so you see uh, this pinky? Yeah, there is no pinky. No, I'm joking around. No, I'm joking around. I'm messing around. Um, so, so I jump down, the dog lunges, and I just hit the, the brick, you know, I mean, hit the dog with the brick, but the brick goes in the dog's mouth, and you could hear the teeth, like, like, break. Yeah, the dog's like, arr, 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 and it was bad. I, I felt horrible, I mean, but, you know, I, you do what you got to do when you're in those kind of situations. So I jump another fence to, that leads me to another section of, like, the community into, into the neighborhood where these guys are, and I'm running, and I'm... I get to the other side of the town where there is light, there is power, and my friend Bobby is eating a piece of pizza, and he goes, Chad! And I'm like running, like sprinting for my life, sweat, and I, and, and I can see now that I'm, when I'm in the light, there's blood like all over me. And it was, I think it was from that guy that I like elbowed in the face and uh, broke his nose or something. And he's like, where have you been, Chad? And I'm like, I'm telling the whole story, I'm like, where were you? Why weren't you at the grocery store? Like, and so I learned a valuable lesson you don't leave your friends behind. You stick together. So we're talking about friendship tonight. So it's interesting to me. It's intriguing about friendship, isn't it? Like your relationship with God, people are going to tell you in the church for life, like there's certain bridges, there's certain relationships that you don't blow up. And one of them would be God, right? That would be a pretty important connection, relationship to cultivate, to strengthen. 
uh, that, that's, that's why we're here, isn't it? To have that relationship, that, connect, that connection strengthened. So like when we hear somebody where they're turning their back towards God, they're, they're running from God, we're, we're, we're like, well, what can we do to help them? What can we do to support them? That, you know, I'm going to call them on the phone and prophesy over them, or I'm going to encourage them, or we're going to go out to lunch, whatever it may be. That you're thinking of how can I help them rebuild that bridge? And then we have in our, our culture, we have marriage. Where it's like when we hear somebody's not doing good in their marriage, we're like, oh, no. What can we do to help them? Like, don't blow up that bridge. But in the areas of friendship, why is it okay in our culture, in our society, to blow up those bridges? It got really quiet all of a sudden. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, you get excited. Yeah. But why, why is that, though? Oh, you got hurt? You know, they, they posted some weird thing on Facebook about you? Yeah, just blow up that bridge. <laughs> you know, you do life with someone for a year. You, you know, you're, you're a sophomore in high school, and you were, you know, played volleyball together, and you share each other's dreams, and you share each other's prophetic words, and, you know, wh whatever it may be, that, and then some, they, they talk behind your back, and then you're just like, that's it. You blow up the bridge. You got to find a new BFF. You, you, you defriend them on Facebook. <laughs> what? You weren't meant to have best friends. You weren't meant to have friends for a season. You were meant to have friends for your whole life, for eternity. And I'm telling you that there, there will be times in friendship when it's inconvenient, when it's hard. But when you invest and when you communicate and when you begin to communicate that value of, hey, I have a value for you. I'm feeling hurt by what you did, but, but I love you, and let's work this thing through. And the relationship only deepens more and more and more. Jesus tells us in, you guys all have your Bibles? Love it. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So let's just forget for a moment about loving the world. Loving those that are in your school that are not saved. Let's just forget about that. How about we focus on loving one another? Jesus says, like, the greatest harvest will become manifest in your school, in the world, when you actually model love. When you actually love one another. I mean, the world would probably say their perspective of the church is they don't get along. They don't love one another. They shoot their wounded. They, you know, they, they can't agree on anything. But what would happen if, if we actually took what Jesus says here, a new commandment I give to you that you would love one another? What does love look like? I mean, John 15, verse 13, Jesus says the greatest manifestation of love, the, the, this is the greatest love, is that one would lay down his life for his friends. That one would lay down his life for his friends. That sounds pretty inconvenient, right? It's not like la-di-da, we're... 
you know, jiving together, we're having a blast, and that all is a part of friendship, but there are tough times. Like, I thought I knew what love was when I was dating my wife, and when we were engaged in our first couple years of marriage, I thought I knew what love was. And that was totally love, but then it, it became a, a new definition as, you know, those, those times when it was inconvenient. And we chose our connection. We chose uh, to, to, we chose one another. And we've only been married nine years, and I talk to people that have been married like 30 years and 40 years, and they have this love. You know, and that's the great model of, of this church. You guys have heard of Bill Johnson, right, and Chris Ballatin and Danny Silk. These guys have been doing life together for, for 35, 40 years. I remember graduating first year school ministry back in, in 2003. And, uh, and, and I was graduating, and people were, uh, we were asked the question, what do we want to take from this year, you know, of, of you being in school? People were like, I want a relationship with Chris Ballatin. I want a relationship with Bill Johnson. And, and the Lord tells me, look to your left and right. Look to the person behind you. That is tomorrow's Bill. That's tomorrow's Chris. Start now. Start now. I, I personally believe that, you know, the revivalists that we study about, John G. Lake and, you know, uh, Mariah Woodworth Edder, like today's generation of Mariah Woodworth Edders are in this room. John G. Lake's, Bill Johnson's, the next Bill Johnson's in this room. That, that if we, you know, we, we sometimes love to skip the process. And that's what is so amazing about relationship. That's what's so amazing about friendship is, is you you know, I love suddenlies, but there's something about time in the dimension, in the factor of relationship that you can't speed up. It's, it's amazing. You know, I have pastors, I, I go, like Tom said, I travel around the world, and I have pastors that say, hey, I, I read this book, uh, uh, The Culture of Honor, and it talks about apostles, and, and apostles being like the most important, and that was their interpretation, not Danny's. And uh, so I'm an apostle, and I need to find a pastor. I need to find a Danny Silk. So do you have any Danny Silks hanging around Bethel that we could hire? Any lazy Danny Silks? And I'm like, you should probably check your local butcher shop, because that's probably where Danny Silk is hiding. Because Bill Johnson was a pastor of 200 in a city of 2,000 in Weaverville. And Chris Felton was a mechanic. Danny Silk was a butcher. Charlie Harper was a real estate agent. And these guys just did life together. And I just want to encourage you guys, like, do life. Do life. And when it's hard, when you feel hurt, you communicate. But you don't blow up the bridge. You don't blow up the relationship. Stay away from the unfriend button on Facebook. Now, Jesus, this is a pretty big deal to Jesus. I mean, he had, he had his inner circle, his three best friends, James, John, and Peter. These guys hung out together all the time. They were eating fish tacos together. They were sleeping in caves. And they're having this last supper. They're having the, this, this dinner and, and Peter's like, I'll never leave you. And Jesus is like, even you, Peter, are going to leave me. You're going to deny me three times. And sometimes when we read the, the letters in red, we read about Jesus. Like anything he says is like, yeah, bummer. That's going to happen. Like, bummer, Peter. 
You're, you're done. You're toast. You might as well just leave that supper right now. Don't stay for dessert. What are you still sitting here for? Like, you're kind of, like, bummed about Peter, right? But we, we need to understand just, like, the human uh, emotions of what, what happens when Peter denies friendship with Jesus, that he is surrounded by this group of people, and, and they ask him, hey, do you have any kind of heart connection with this man, Jesus? Have you been doing life with Jesus? And he's like, no, I have no relationship. I have no friendship. I have no heart connection. We have not done life together. I, I know him as much as you know him. And then the rooster crows, and Jesus sees Peter, and he knows this, is, this was his best friend. And he just blew up the bridge. Jesus is devastated, and Peter is devastated. So what does Jesus do when he gets resurrected? He comes out of the tomb, and he sees Mary. And Mary's like, oh, my God, Jesus, I have so many questions. Let's hang out. Let's pick roses together. You know, like, oh, my gosh. And Jesus is like, hey, I'm sorry, don't have time for you. I need to go and see my friend Peter because he blew up a bridge, and I'm here to say that, that we're under, this bridge is under reconstruction. I'm after my friend Peter. And he goes and sees Peter, and Peter sees him on a boat, and he's like, I don't have time to row this boat over to, this, to the shore. I've been waiting. I didn't know this opportunity even existed for there to be a rebuilding of this bridge. Because resurrection really wasn't a part of the game plan with Peter. He didn't, he didn't realize that was going to happen. And he sees resurrected Jesus, and he's like so overwhelmed, he jumps out of the boat and swims to Jesus. Because he wanted to see this relationship restored. And there's, there's something like, there's, this, there's two lies when we, we blow up a bridge, or the bridge gets blown up on us. There's two lies that happens. The first lie is, okay, time heals all wounds. You know, I'm going to let that simmer for a while. I, I'm too hurt to talk to them. Uh, you know, I'm going to go hang out with some other friends. And then you jump into this, like, you, 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 can't even, you don't even feel the transition, but then you jump into another lie of, well, too much time has passed by. It would be too awkward. It would be too weird to bring that up. We're just going to sit awkwardly across rooms for the rest of our lives. We'll just we'll kind of look at each other, glance at each other across the hallway at school, but we'll never say anything. Bummer. You guys doing Okay. Friendship. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my life, just a little bit of my testimony. And uh, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid, so I grew up in the church. And uh, my parents were radical pastors and Christians. We would have, uh, we'd have prostitutes, drug dealers, uh, guys in biker gangs, all this stuff living at our house. And uh, they, they would get saved and discipled at our house. And it would be normal for me to walk downstairs, getting ready for school, and I see someone sleeping on the couch I've never met before. And they say, yeah, I'm going to live here for a couple years. And that was normal, you know, to have like eight people living at my house at once. And so anyways, uh, family gets saved. They lost their dad. Their, you know, the mom lost her husband to cancer. And so... Uh, she had a couple kids that were out of the house, and she had two kids that were a similar age to me. One was the same age, and one was a year younger. 
and they became my best friends. I was about 10 years old, and they became my best friends. And so we hung out together. We went surfing together. We played basketball together. We just hung out constantly. And, uh, and then at about 12 years old, they started doing drugs. And they started influencing me to, you know, they kept on asking me, do I, you know, want to get high with them? And I said, no, no. And then eventually I said, one day I, I, I'll, I'll get high with you. And, uh, and I started doing drugs with them. I started rebe rebelling towards God. Uh, it was really, really crazy. I would see Jesus in the corner weeping. And I was just like, I just, I was really upset at God, upset at my parents that this was a, a lifestyle in which I felt forced into, and I was, I, it wasn't my decision, and I felt all that false responsibility as a pastor's kid, all that false responsibility that people would say to me, like, we expect more of you because you're a pastor's kid, we, you know, all this sort of stuff, and, and I was, didn't know how to process it, and then I started just rebelling, like, where I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna make my own decisions, and I would see Jesus, like, in the spirit realm, weeping while I was doing drugs, and I'm like, I don't care, my heart was just getting harder and harder, and then I, I, I started dealing drugs, and it was pretty crazy. Almost died a bunch of times. Uh, another drug dealer came and shot. He pulled the trigger, uh, pulled out a gun to shoot me in the face, and the gun jammed. Uh, there's a number of other different things. And the reason why I'm telling you this is the lead up to this. Is uh, when I was 14 years old, Jesus came into my bedroom and said, Chad, uh, you're either going to be my best friend or I'm going to hand you over to Satan came into my bedroom and said, you're either going to be my best friend or I'm going to hand you over to Satan. I knew exactly what that meant. That meant if I continued on the road of rebelling towards God, the hedge of protection, the hand of God that was on my life would be lifted and Satan would have full right to kill me. That I wasn't going to eke my way through life. I wasn't going to be a drug addict. That, that Satan literally wanted to kill me and God was protecting me through all these crazy times I almost died. And I just start weeping. I said, you know, Jesus, I know that your only way, the truth and life, I want you to be my best friend. And he puts his arms around me. And the moment he puts his arms around me, just all that addiction, all that rebellion just lifts right off. And it was this new creation experience. It was amazing. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard because it was your experience. But, I mean, like, it's like the craziest new creation. I don't know how to explain it. It's like I became a new person. The only problem is when you become a new creation, not everyone gets the memo. <laughs> not everyone gets the email. You know, and so I come to church. That was a Saturday night. I come to church. My, I, first of all, what happened on that weekend, I got caught with a bunch of drugs because I was getting ready to go on a youth retreat. And, uh, and so, anyways, I got caught with a bunch of drugs. And, um, and so everyone at the church knew what would happen, and I got caught with all these drugs. And so... This one lady spits on me, spits in the face, um, and she says, you make me sick, you're tearing your family apart. You know, uh, love one another, like I said in John 13. Um, so anyways, uh, she, you know, my dad's a wreck, my mom's a wreck, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, and she's like, you make me sick, you're, you're ripping your family apart. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's my old man. He died like 10 hours ago. That was a long time ago. Like, this is, this is, I want to worship, you know, like, but everyone's like, oh my God, it's a, it's a, it's fake. He's just playing, you know, I'm like, no, I love Jesus, you know, like, but, but it, not everyone was, was buying it, but it doesn't matter. It's my relationship with God. I was doing great. And, uh, 
And so later on that afternoon, my dad calls me up to his room. It was just his birthday, and he had, he had got given $600 for a new pool table. So he calls me up to his room, and he's like, where is it? Now, I had stolen from my parents countless other times, but I didn't steal this money. So I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, he's asking me where it is, and, and I don't know. And he's like, well, who else would have stolen it? And I said, well, maybe Vinny. Vinny was my best friend. It was Vinny and Chris. And so Vinny was over at my house when we got caught with all the drugs. And, and he could have very easily, you know, because we stole together uh, from my parents. But we didn't steal the, I didn't steal this money. And I'm like, well, maybe Vinny took it. So we went over to his house, and he wasn't there. And so my dad goes, okay, now tell me. I know you know where Vinny is. And I'm like, all right, we would go at this one house and we would party at. And I'm like, he's probably there. So we pull up to the house, and my dad says, you're going to confront Vinny. You know, like, I'm like, okay. There's 20 of our, you know, 20 of my friends there. And, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of a hardcore group. I mean, um, anyways, this is a little scary. Being 14 years old, my dad said, you need to confront Vinny. He took the money, all sorts of stuff. So I'm like, Jesus, help me in the situation. And my dad was fighting for his son's life. He, he was actually uh, promoting, I, I need my son to blow up this bridge. Because he knew that if, if he would have punished me and Vinny together, it would have bonded us together. So, so he was trying to sever the relationship, which actually was pretty smart and genius on his part. But anyways, um, so I go and confront Vinny. Vinny starts crying, saying, you know, Kevin, you've been like a father to me. I would have never, my, I don't know if you know who my parents are, but Kevin and Teresa Dedman, they're awesome, amazing. But anyways, um, so, so he's like, Kevin, you've been like a father to me. Why would I ever do that to you? All sorts of stuff. And he gets out of it. My dad believes him, and then we leave. So Vinny is feeling like he just had his whole spiritual family, you know, just divorced. You know, like he doesn't now, I mean, he feels totally uh, sabotaged, and he feels like I'm the one that threw him under the bus. I'm the one that accused him, uh, uh, you know, and all this sort of stuff. So, so he's feeling... Like, he's separated from his mom and dad spiritually, his, his church, he's, you know, he's not going to feel free at church, and then his best friend just, like, stabbed him in the back. That's, that's his perspective, which I can see and understand. And uh, so he calls the next day and says, Kevin, I have a confession to make. I did take the money, but me and your son took it together. I never took it. My dad hangs up the phone, starts weeping, and he says, the little shred of hope the little shred of trust that I had just got taken by this phone call. And, and it wrecked my relationship with my dad for about a good year. And when that happened, the, my, my relationship and the turmoil with my dad, all of that hurt turned into anger towards Vinny because Vinny falsely accused me, lied, because he was trying to get me back. And he knew how to do that. And so now I'm a freshman in high school, getting out of drugs, no longer doing drugs anymore, but I am dealing with anger. I am dealing with hatred. This is your special speaker talking to you. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. This is only like eight months ago. It's totally cool. <laughs> so, anyways, I am, I'm having dreams about killing Vinny. And so I would go out and find Vinny, and I would beat him up. And he would, find, he would gather his friends, and they would find me, and they would try to beat me up. And we had this thing going back and forth, and, you know, I'm going to youth group. I'm, in bas I'm, I'm on the basketball team, I'm on the surf team. 
And I'm just trying, I'm trying to make it as a Christian, but I'm dealing with anger. And so sophomore year of high school, I go to this Christian concert New Year's Eve, and I'm coming back with my youth pastor and a few other guys, and, and we see this uh, car wrapped around a telephone pole. And so I'm like, man, whoever was in that accident, they didn't make it. Like, that's, that's a bad accident. That's all I think about. I go to sleep. I, I wake up. I go to basketball. I get home, and my parents sit me down, and they tell me, Chad, we need to talk to you. There's something we need to tell you. Uh, last night, your friend Justin was doing nitrous and speed, and he was going 80 miles per hour, and he hit a telephone pole, and he died on impact. Now, you don't know who Justin is yet. Fifth grade, innocent Chad is friends with Justin, and I loved collecting comic books, you know, Batman, Spider-Man. I loved it, and I met Justin through collecting comic books, and me and him became great friends. Then I am the one that introduced a lifestyle drugs to Justin, the comic book Justin. Sitting in the living room, sophomore in high school, and my parents are giving me the news that comic book Justin is dead because of a lifestyle that I introduced him to. So I'm a wreck. And they tell me, Chad, that's not it. There was a girl in the passenger seat. She went through the windshield. She's in critical condition, but she's going to make it. But Vinny was in the back seat behind the passenger seat, and, she, uh, and he had the nitrous tank uh, in his lap, and it took off most of his face. They had to sew his nose back on. I know that's, like, crazy and stuff, but it's going to be okay. And um, he went into a coma. His brain was swelling. And when you go into a coma and your brain is swelling, he punctured a lung as well. And so you, when, when you're in a coma, there's nothing medically they could do for you. If they give you uh, antibiotics to, you know, take out the infection, also they can't do that because it causes the brain to swell more. He needs to be awake. He needs to be responsive so that they could give him the, all the, you know, the medical stuff. And so they're saying that he has less than like a 5% chance of living. So I find out. In one conversation that my friend Conby Justin is dead, and Vinny, my once best friend, my, my once brother, is about ready to die. So it's in the evening, and I say, I need to go surfing, because that's where I heard God the strongest. I, 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 the biggest open heaven in my life is when I surf. So I go surfing at the Huntington Beach Pier. It's nighttime, and I'm like, God, what am I supposed to do? And he says, Chad, you already know what you need to do. You need to go to the hospital, and you need to forgive Vinny, and you need to ask for forgiveness. And so I tell my parents, take me to the hospital tomorrow morning. I need to go and visit a friend. And I go, and I'm on the way to the hospital, and I'm thinking, oh, no, what is Vinny's family going to do? Because they know about the last year and a half of our deal, of, of me beating him up, and him, him and his friends trying to beat me up, and all this sort of stuff. And so I'm going, I don't know how they're going to receive me. I walk in. And they all see me, and they all just grab me and hug me and weeping. And they begin to tell the doctors, this is his other brother. He needs to say goodbye before Vinny leaves. So they take me into his room. And there's Vinny hooked up to all these machines. He's yellow. He's, he's purple. He's orange. He's all these different colors from all the infections that are in his body. And uh, he's got all these tubes, the, the heart monitor going, and and so I go in there, and I say, Vinny, it's me. And right when I say that, all, he starts, like, seizuring, you know, his limbs are going everywhere. And I'm like, oh, isn't he in a coma? Like, what's going on here? And the nurses grab me. His heart goes crazy. And, 
he starts flickering and everything, and then they rush me out there, and they, they take me to this other room, and the nurse goes, he, he recognizes your voice. He, he knows it's you, and, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, he probably thinks I'm in there to kill him. <laughs> so he calms down, and they bring me back in. Now I know that he could hear me. Like, he, he knows it's me. So I, I stand by his bed, and I sit down, and I just start weeping. Start weeping. And it was in that moment that I realized that I never had hatred or, or, or deeper than my hatred, deeper than my anger was actually love. And it was love that, that was hurt that caused the anger to come. But if I actually pulled back anger, I saw that there was still so much love. This is my brother. This was my best friend. This guy I did life with for years. something that I don't take lightly, that Vinny has a place in my heart, being 32 years old, that, that no one else has. So I just started weeping, and I said, Vinny, it kills me to see you like this. You know, you're my brother. And I said, Vinny, just, I forgive you for falsely accusing me. I forgive you for trying to separate my relationship with my dad. Which, by the way, my relationship with my dad's amazing. You know, me and him are best friends, we're brothers, he's my dad, but I get to also be his brother and be his best friend, and we, we wrote a book together, so I think that maybe says that we're probably doing pretty good now. But <laughs> I said, I forgive you, Vinny, and I want to, Ask for forgiveness for carrying hatred towards you, that all I have is love. And tears are coming down his face. And I say, Vinny, it's not too late. Jesus is right there. All you have to do is run to him. All you have to do is just put your arms around him and let him put his arms around you. It's not too late to have a relationship with Jesus. And his tears are going down his face. I leave. I get home, and a few hours later, we get a phone call that Vinny comes out of his coma. Yeah, I get excited. I talk to him a few days later, and I, I talk to him, and, uh, and he tells me, Chad, I heard your voice, and when you said Jesus is right there, it's not too late, I saw Jesus. And he was way off in the distance, and I ran, and it felt like forever that I was running. But the moment I embraced him and I put my arms around him, he put his arms around me. The moment my head touched his chest, touched his heart, is the moment I came out of my coma. So God completely healed him. It's pretty amazing. And you need to know that the, the night before going to the hospital, I had a dream. I had a dream that I went back to 14 years old where Jesus comes into my bedroom and says, I'm either gonna, you're either going to be my best friend or I'm going to hand you to Satan. I looked at Jesus and said, I don't care what you say, what you do. I'm living my own life. And I was in that car with Vinny and Justin. And I was sitting behind Justin. And I died and I went to hell. I wake up in a cold sweat. I go downstairs to get some water. And there's my mom weeping in the living room. 
So I'm like, Mom, what, what's the matter? What's going on? And she said, Chad, I had a dream. You never changed your life. That you were still running around with Vinny doing drugs, and you were in the back seat of that car next to Vinny behind Justin. And you died, and you went to hell. We talked to some of the people, the paramedics, and they said if Vinny had been behind Justin, he would have died instantly. That it was good because most impact came on Justin's side. That it saved Vinny's life to be behind the passenger seat. That seat was reserved for me. And I know that if I didn't choose Jesus to be my best friend at 14 years old, I wouldn't be here today in front of you. There's something about fighting for friendships. You know, that many of you are going to graduate high school and you go on to college where relationship becomes inconvenient. You know, like one person might be at Stanford, another person might be at, you know, Sac State. And what are you going to do to fight for the relationship? I have relationships you know, friendships with people that, that have been over 20 years. And I've fought for those friendships. You know, Ben Serple, where's, where's Ben at? Ben's right there. Ben and I went to school ministry together. You know, 10 years ago, and there's a special place in my heart with, with Ben that we were in the same small group together. You know, when you drive up Bethel Church and you see that baseball field, the, the, the multi-levels that you see, me and Ben... Spent hours in the morning putting that stuff together. I mean, I, I mean, I have friends that we've just done life together, and there's, there's, I don't take that for granted. And I just want to encourage you: invest in your friendships, and then when they become inconvenient, just recognize that's an opportunity for that relationship to grow. And I've discovered that when I'm with someone, and I, I see them minister, I just hang out with them, and they offend me, they probably have something for my life, something from God that I need. You know, I watch someone preach on TV, and they offend me, they probably have something for my life that I need. And I'll never forget, I was, my, my first year of school ministry here, and I, would, I got the privilege of traveling with Bill a little bit, and I went down to Southern California, where I'm from, and, uh, and, and Bill Johnson speaks at this church, Harvest Rock, where you have Heidi Baker and Randy Clark. And, and I have all my friends from Orange County that, you know, are kind of like secret sensitive. They, they don't believe in the gifts of the spirit. They don't believe in manifestations or like getting drunk in the spirit, holy laughter. They don't, they, they're just like, hey, I just read the Bible and that's it. And, I mean, raising your hands in worship is crazy. And so, anyways, I... I thought this would be awesome opportunity for my friends to be exposed to this culture that they could hear Bill Johnson. And because Bill Johnson, when you hear him speak, revival makes sense, right? <laughs> revival does. It makes sense. Like you don't believe in healing, you hear Bill for an hour, and you're like, oh, yeah, healing totally makes sense now. <laughs> and so I, I invited 20 of my good friends that, that didn't believe in the good spirit to come and hear this guy, Bill Johnson. And they were like, okay, we'll come. And then they all canceled. And then the next night was Heidi Baker. I'm like, okay, come here, Heidi. And I was like, that's a little more risky because she's going to lie on the floor and say Shaba for an hour. But, but maybe she'll have some stories about Africa. And you can't deny the fruit of what's happening in a nation. And, and they all canceled that night. So they, 
They end up committing to the last night of the conference, and it's this lady, Jill Austin. I'd never heard Jill Austin before. I knew that she was a prophet, but that's it. I, I mean, I'd never seen her before. This is 2003. And so all, I have 20 of my friends, okay, 20 of my friends. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm like thinking like, God, please, let this be a great experience for them. Like, you know, great experience would be like they're on the floor shaking and laughing and getting healed and hearing God's voice and all that fun stuff. So, so I'm like, God, please. And, and Jill comes out there and she's like, who's hungry? Hey, anybody ever heard of Jill Austin before? See, not many people. So, so she was a fireball, like, prophet lady. And, and so she goes, who's hungry? And, like, all the young people are like, yeah. And she's like, what about the old people? And all the old people are like, yeah. And she, then she goes on and says, I have a word from the Lord. There's people here that are pregnant with revival. And you are overdue in your pregnancy. And so she goes, let the birth peg start, God. And I'm not joking. Okay, I've been in some crazy meetings. This is perhaps, and not perhaps, this is definitely the craziest meeting I've ever been a part of. There, it was like strategic, the way that God placed these older gentlemen that were in their 60s and 70s, and, and they're all right next to my 20 good friends that I'm trying to like, you know, like, you know, because they, they all think I'm a part of a cult, all my friends. All my friends think I'm part of some weird, wacky you know, we're all wearing robes and drinking some crazy stuff or something. And, and, and so, so anyways, all of these guys, all these older guys, they all begin to scream. <laughs> Jill Austin goes, let the birth bang start. God, and these grown men right next to my friends that don't even believe in prophecy. They don't even believe in like the gifts of the spirit, you know, like, you know, like interpretation of tongues. And these, these men by them are like, you but that still sounds strange okay so 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 she goes get in birthday positions so these grown men lay down okay just picture this they're laying down with their with their legs in the air and Jill goes race up the midwives where are the midwives so other grown men are grabbing the legs of these grown men that are birthing revival babies. And, and they're screaming, keep pushing. I see the head of revivals. Keep pushing. Oh, my God. I look at my friends, and, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this is. My, my friend looks at me and goes, Chad, we've always known you've been involved in a cult, and it's okay, it's safe, you need to just come with us, we'll, we'll help you, we'll pay for counseling, we've taken a fund. And so I grab him, and I'm like, I go, I go guys, I don't understand, don't focus on what's going on behind me, don't, don't even look, okay, you know my life, you, you could trust me, I don't know what this is, and and I, I grabbed a couple other school ministry students, fellow school ministry students, and we went in this side room, and I, I made them wear these, these white uh, robes and drink this weird, no, I'm joking around, no. I, I took them to the side room, and we just started prophesying over them and just inviting God's presence. And they all get rocked, and God saves the day, and it's awesome. But, but after this, this night, I wanted nothing to do with Jill Austin. 
I was pretty offended. Like, I wanted nothing. Like, you know what? I could honor you from afar. Like, you know, you go ahead and do the, the spiritual baby revival releasing, you know, go do that. I, I won't, I'm, no, I'm not, I, I just, yeah, don't, don't sign me up for that. So anyways, a couple of years go by, and I'm in Southern California pastoring, and I got, I was always doing lunch with this guy, this business guy. And so we'd get lunch about every week or so, or maybe every other week. And so he sees me in the parking lot walking up to the restaurant and goes, hey, Chad, I'm, I'm so excited about today. I, I, I brought this lady. Yeah. Oh. The birthing revival lady. I brought this lady, and I feel like she has something for you. And I'm like, oh, what a sweet man that you are. What, who is this lady? It's Jill Austin. And everything in me was like, I have a doctor's appointment. I've got a dentist appointment. I, I got, I'm suddenly feeling like flu-like symptoms right now. <laughs> Nothing wanted me to have a lunch with the, the baby-bearing revival lady. I just didn't want anything to do. And, and I hear the Lord say, Chad, are you going to let a fence keep me from, from giving you what you need? This lady has something that you so desperately need, but you need to open up your heart. And I'm like, dang it. So I go to lunch, and I begin to ask her about her journey. I begin to ask her about her life, and she begins to share about her life, and we begin to laugh together. We begin to prophesy over each other, and we begin to cry together. And after about a, an hour and 45 minutes, after a two-hour lunch, she opens her journal, and she slides it over to me. Now, Jill Austin had been a part of this prophetic movement in Kansas City, and it was known as the uh, the prophet, the Kansas City prophets, and so she was pretty amazing, and uh, and so she was in the in the prayer room, and the Lord speaks to her, and she opens up this journal entry where God is speaking to her, and she writes it down, and she slides it over to me, and says, "I want you to read this," and God speaking to her says, "Jill, I'm going to give you two sons." She never married, she never had natural kids. She said, "Jill, I'm going to give you two sons named Sean and Chad," and she's looking at me across the the table at lunch, and she is weeping saying, I've been waiting and praying for you for over 10 years. And I just begin to weep. She became one of my greatest spiritual moms. We would hang out together. We would, she would take me out for meals. She was this amazing forerunner. She would say, Chad, you know, I'm a forerunner, and, and you're a forerunner, and these are the hits that I've taken. These are the, you know, the, the tough times I've taken as a forerunner. I don't want you to have the same things. And then she would, you know, call my wife, Julia, and say, Julia, I want to take you out to breakfast. And she would take her out to breakfast and say, Julia, this is the hits I've taken as a woman in ministry. This, I don't want you to have to go through the same stuff I did. And she would just pour in wisdom and wisdom, and we'd have so much fun together. And then I helped her move like three times. Like, it's not just, you know, prophecy and, you know, it's life. And then she went on to be with the Lord in 2008. And I could have missed out on one of the greatest moms in my life if I would have let a fence keep me there. And I'm telling you that there's relationships, there's bridges that you guys are called to be bridge builders. You guys are called to have relationships, spiritual fathers and mothers and, and brothers and sisters that you fight for. And it's those times when you, 
first, you know, your first meeting, you're, you're offended or, or something. He's like, ah, I don't even like hanging out with them. But you begin to open your heart. You begin to discover their heart. You begin to discover their journey. And then God begins to bond. God begins to form a, a bridge. You know, I go to conferences and I'll call out two guys. And I'll be like, hey, you know, there's like this David-Jonathan relationship. And, and both of them are like, oh, God, I hope I'm David. I hope, I hope I'm not Jonathan. And, you know, if you guys know anything about David and Jonathan, like David gets so much credit. But Jonathan, he, the guy was a giant killer. And they ran together. But their hearts were, were connected. But they fought for one another, even when it was inconvenient, because they had a lot of inconvenient times in their relationship. But they, they chose to fight for one another. And I feel like God is, is connecting David and Jonathan's in this room. Friendships that are going to last eternity. But I'm telling you, it's not going to always be like fun in the sunshine. There's going to be hard times in the relationship. But if you choose one another, if you choose to lay down your life for your friends, to model to the world the greatest manifestation of love, it'll change the world. But even greater than that, it's going to change your life, and you're going to have great friends. Stand up with me. You guys doing okay? I'm going to tell one last story. I was a youth pastor for uh, a number of years, and I love, I mean, my kids, they were junior high kids. I was a junior high pastor. Any junior hires in the room? Sweet. You're my peeps. I like it. So I was a junior high pastor, and, uh, and so I had a kid walk on water. I had, is the microphone working? Is that, is that normal? Is that, would you, you guys are already operating in that. You guys are dance, doing some break dancing on the water in Lake Shasta. That's amazing. That's awesome. Sweet. <laughs> so yeah, I, we, had a, we had a kid walk on water at a beach baptism. We had uh, three kids. They saw a, a cancerous tumor. Some of them stage four cancer. And the, and the cancer was the size of uh, a melon. And they watched it shrink little by little by little to completely dissolve. And the person got completely healed of cancer. I mean, those were, two, those were three 11-year-olds praying for cancer to bow to Jesus. And that's, that's what, I love that stuff. But I love those stories just as much as I love this one. There was this 12-year-old junior higher, and he started making some poor decisions where he was getting to fights, and he was getting, you know, all sorts of stuff. And so I call him in my office. I'm like, buddy, what's going on? Like, you're, make, you're making some bad messes. And he starts crying. He says, well, my mom and dad have been divorced for eight months now. And I'm just a wreck. Like, I'm, I'm living with my dad, and, and my brother and sister live with my mom. So not only am I separated from my mom, but I'm separated from my brother and sister. And my, my brother and I fight. My sister and I fight. And, and I, I'm, just, I'm just hurting inside. So I'm like, all right, no, you are a world changer. You're not a victim. You are not powerless. Because we're talking about relationships in this room. And some of us, you might feel powerless in certain relationships. And you need to know that that's a lie from the enemy. You are not powerless. You are powerful. You're a world changer. And your world might be your family, might be your friends. So I begin to, uh, we, we begin to go up together with a game plan on how he's going to change the atmosphere of his family. So I'm like, all right, start with your brother. What's the biggest thing that you fight about? And he says, the Xbox. So I'm like, all right, we'll come up with a game plan. So 
he comes a couple weeks later, and he's like, man, I had the best weekend with my brother. It was amazing. And I'm like, well, what happened? He's like, well, I had the, his game saved, his favorite chair out, his favorite drink. And, and he was looking at me kind of weird at first, like I'm going to slime him or electrocute him or something. But, <laughs> but, but, but then he went in there, and he realized it's not a gag. Like, like this is actually like my brother preferred me. And then and it had this amazing relationship, like where they just had this bonding weekend together. And, and, he, and he's like, okay, well, I'm like, what else? How can you change the atmosphere of your family? And he's like, All right, I'm going to start taking out the garbage when nobody asked me. That's revival when a 12-year-old starts doing that. That's a manifestation of revival. And, and so he's like, yeah, Chad, I took out the garbage last night, and, 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 and my dad didn't even notice. I almost told him the next morning, but, but I decided not to. And I'm like, ah, it's a good job, buddy. Like, let, let your dad discover that for himself. And, and so his mom picks him up from youth group, and she says, you know, can I, can I talk to you? And, and uh, are you getting ready to go on a trip? Uh, are you guys getting ready to go, like, you know, to, to a theme park or something? Does he need money for something? Because it's not Mother's Day. It's not Christmas. It's not my birthday. And, and my son made me a card of the 20 reasons why he loves me. And I'm like, no, he has no other agenda other than he wants a connection with you. This is your son building a bridge. You're putting up a sign that says, Mom, I want a strong bridge with your heart. Dad, not even a believer, picks him up from youth group. I mean, this is like this is like four or five-month process. Picks him up and says, you know, can I talk to you for a second? And he begins to tell me he had one of the worst days at work the other day. And he comes home, and his son's at the table and says, Dad, I need you to come and sit at the table. And he begins to read his dad's mail. He begins to tell him about secret desires and dreams that he hasn't told anyone. And he starts weeping. And then his son puts his arms around his dad and says, Dad, everything's going to be okay. And, and he's like, he, the dad goes, what was that? How did he know these things about me? And I'm thinking, okay, 1 Corinthians 12 and, you know, the, the, the gifts of the pro prophecy and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, he's not even believes in Jesus. I'm like, that's your son telling you that he loves you. Well, this is him being powerful, 12 years old. Comes into my office and he, he says, my dad went on a date last night. And he starts kind of getting choked up. He starts crying. And I'm going, oh, man, divorced family, new mom, new dad. Okay, here we go. I'm about ready to give him, like, I'm with you, buddy. I'm, I'm going to do life with you. We're, we're going to get through this together. And he goes, no, no, you don't understand. My dad went on a date with my mom last night. And we watched. It was one of the greatest worship services in my room. We just get in my room, in my, in my office, which is like practically my room because I live there. But anyways, we just worship the Lord. We're just... This is amazing watching the God of restoration come. Like, I love the God of the miraculous, the God that provides, but the God that, that brings restoration, that rebuilds bridges that we thought were smoldering and broken, and, and there was no hope for them. And we watch his parents date and fall in love all over again, and they get remarried. And we're, Yeah. It was, it was phenomenal. I love that. We have a God of restoration. That we're a people that are called to see bridges restored, strengthened. So I know that 
youth group is ending, but I'm going to invite you in the service right now to break out your phones. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to take out your phone. And I want you to text somebody that you are doing life with, uh, a friend, a spiritual father or mother, and just say, hey, just in church, thinking about you, you're amazing. Whatever you communicate in that in a text, that would be really good. Go ahead, break out your phone and text message. Hey, just thinking about you, you know, I just value our relationship. Whatever, however way you communicate that, I want you to text somebody. Now I want you to text somebody else, someone that you have not talking, talked to in the last three months. Say, hey, just thinking about you, would love to connect sometime, whatever that may be. What, you know, you could say, hey, just... Just praying for you. Um, man, I miss you. We haven't talked in a while. It would be great to talk sometime. Whatever it may be. But someone that you have not talked to, that you know that you're supposed to be in their life, they're supposed to be in your life. Maybe there's hurt. Maybe whatever it may be. But I want you just to text. I want you to open the door to that bridge. Someone you haven't talked to in three months. Maybe it's just been neglect. Maybe there's no hurt there or whatever. It's just been neglect. I love starting to hear the phones ring back because people are replying in their texts. I love it. That's awesome. There was, uh, I preached this message in New Zealand, and it was a, a pastor's kid. You know, he was, he was uh, in his early 20s. He had not talked to his dad in three years, and I told everyone to break out their phones and text somebody that you haven't talked to in three months. He texts his dad. It's a Friday night service. Dad responds immediately, son, I miss you. You should come over. And so he was strategic, the, the, the son, of like, well, my dad preaches on Sunday, so I'm going to go over on Saturday night at 10 o'clock because I know that he wants to get his sleep, his rest before church because he was concerned, like, their relationship wasn't doing very good. For three years, they had not talked. So he goes over there at 10 o'clock at night. They end up having this amazing, like, bonding time. He leaves his dad's house at 3 in the morning. He ends up going to church the next Sunday, goes to church on Sunday night, and he had never, he had never been back to his father's church in three years. He comes, he just writes me this email, just, you know, saying that him and his dad have this amazing relationship. It all started from one text message. And I'm telling you that, that, that we have a God of restoration. We have a God that wants to build bridges in our life. And so just put your hand on your heart. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, for world changers in this room. I pray, Lord, that we'd be bridge builders. Lord, that some of us might, might be hurting and we're justified in our hurt. But I pray, Lord, that you would heal our hearts and that we would choose to forgive. And, Lord, that forgiveness would look like something. Maybe it's not a text message. Maybe it's not a phone call. Maybe it's a letter. Maybe it's taking someone out to lunch. Maybe it's, you know, give us creative ideas, creative ways to rebuild bridges. But, Lord, that we would be people that, that put a stake in the ground and fight for relationships. And, Lord, when they're inconvenient, we would say yes, Lord, that you would show us how to lay our lives down for our friends. Lord, that we would be the church that loves one another. That models a love that doesn't come from the world. That models a love that, that can't be just stirred up by human emotion, but that comes from the author of love. So Lord, show us what that looks like.
Show us what it looks like having friends for decades. That there's no other option. The way that, that we have covenant with God, there's no, the, the blowing up the bridge is not an option. For those, probably very few of us that are married, divorce is not an option. But Lord, that we would live with that same mindset with friendships. That we're not blowing up this bridge. Amen. All right, you guys are amazing. Thanks, Chad. Hold on, don't, don't move. Stay right there. All right, listen. You guys love that? You guys love Chad? Give Chad a big hand, huh? Come on. All right, listen. There's some of you guys here. There are fractures in relationships with people in this room. You're not responsible for somebody else to forgive you, but you're responsible to own your side of the equation. Does that make sense? And so, God, this is such a big deal to God. I don't want to preach another message. But this is such a big deal to God that the one time he says, stop, don't worship me any longer, is when there is somebody else who's offended at you he says, go take care of that, and then come back and continue to worship. That's a pretty big deal, because you were created to worship. He, he values this so much. So I want to encourage you guys right now in this room. Maybe, I feel like, it, you know, somebody said in prayer earlier, before they even knew about this night, somebody, when we were back there praying, he said, he had a word, he said, I feel like there are relationships in our youth group of people who used to like each other, and they're now fractured. And I feel like God wants to heal relationships from people who used to like each other and don't like each other anymore. You know, the enemy uses, you know, the, the, the word diabolos means devil. It means slanderer, supplanter, divider. If he can get you to, to he, he will use circumstances and situations where you feel like you got wronged to get you divided and separated from each other. It's the, it's the devil. Kick the devil in the face today. By going to that person and saying, okay, this doesn't make sense. I'm not going to listen to it. Go to that person and say, forgive me. Just start there. Just like, I don't know what to say. Just start. Just do it. Step over the chicken line. Go to them and say, forgive me. Dude, can we be friends? You know, just like, forgive me. All right. Right, right now, show me your hand. Who needs to do that? Who needs to do that? Come on. All right. Right now, don't wait. Step over the chicken line. Go find that person right now. Let's kick the devil in the face and bring back unity and love towards each other. Amen? You guys are powerful. You're world changers. You're going to model relationship for the world and how to love each other. So God bless you guys. Have a great night. If you, need, if you need prayer for anything, if you need a miracle in your body or anything like that, just come on up here. We'll pray for you. Find somebody who will pray for you. Let's do it.